um, I said to a few people before, it's really not really great when you get invited to preach at a different church to your home church. It's even better when they invite you back. So uh, for me, I really feel at home here. I, I, I just feel so much a part of your fellowship. Um, and so it's, a, it's great to be with you this morning and to just share what I believe God's laid on my heart for you uh, this morning. I want to read three scriptures, three passages. And uh, having all the announcements about um, Christmas and the things running up to Christmas, it's too early for Christmas, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Nicole doesn't think so. Okay, let's, let's be honest. How many people have already got their Christmas tree and Christmas decorations up? Anyone? No? Great. <laughs> How many people are planning on doing it very soon? Yeah, there's a few, right. Well, I want to speak this morning on a number of verses that the first thing you'll think of is, I thought you said it was too early for Christmas. Bear with me. I said to Howard, this is not a Christmas message. It's a pre-Christmas message. So we're going to start off in Isaiah. If you have your Bibles, if you'd like to look at Isaiah chapter 9. It's a verse that you will all know very well. It is a verse, or a few verses, that over the next few weeks, you will hear several times. And as I was praying, and, and I felt God give me these, these verses to, to preach from this morning, I was thinking, but God, it's not time for Christmas yet. But as I say, it's not Christmas, it's pre-Christmas. So Isaiah chapter 9, starting at verse 2. It says, the people that are walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nations and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And this is the bit that I really want to focus on a bit more. In verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from the time, this time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And if you'd like to just go back a couple of pages to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. 
which means God is with us. Isn't that great? Isaiah was prophesying the coming of Jesus. And we see in Matthew, this is the third um, verse, set of verses that I want to read. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and going on. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You're to give him the name Jesus. In 21st century Western culture, we don't really put a lot of emphasis on names, do we? You know, if, if, if a couple are expecting a baby, they will maybe go to the lexicon in town, or they'll go to their library and take out a book of baby names. And they'll go through the names, and one of them will say, oh, I really like this name, and the other one will go, never. You know, the husband will turn around and say, we can call our son Kudnerksky, because that sounds cool. And the wife says, you're joking. There's no way my son is going to be called Kudnerksky, or anything like that. You know, we don't give the same emphasis on names, do we? But we see throughout the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, that they named their children according to something that was relevant. So you'll have the child that was born in adversity, and he will have a name that means born in adversity. Imagine going through life with that. You know, and we see how they gave them the names that had a meaning. Jesus is a Greek form of the name Joshua, which means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. And it is so important that we look and realize Jesus is the Lord who saves. And as we come and you hear these verses over the next few weeks, to remember, Jesus is the Lord who saves. You know, through the Old Testament, we see so many places where there are names of God. And each one of these names gives us a, an insight into his character, into who he is. You know, we have Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And we see that in Genesis. We have Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. We have Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is here. We see that he is called Elohim, the mighty God. 
you know, I could go on and on and on with the names of God in the Old Testament. And if you want to do a really brilliant study, study the names of God because every one of them gives us an insight into the very nature and character of our God. He is awesome. He is mighty. He is loving. He is saving. He is a healer God. He is a mighty God. And he is a God whose son's name is Jesus. We are told throughout Scripture to do things in Jesus' name, aren't we? You know, we're told, we see how, for example, in, um, in Luke 10, 17, we see devils are powerless because of the name of Jesus. In Mark, we see demons cast out in his name. We see people healed in the name of Jesus. In Acts, we see that Paul and John went to the temple one day, and there was a man that was sitting at the gate of the temple. He was there all the time. He was crippled. He couldn't walk. And his only source of income was to beg from people coming into the temple. And it says that as, as Paul and John went to enter the temple, he looked up at them. And Paul looked down at him, and, and he was probably getting excited, thinking, oh, he's looking at me, so he's going to give me some good, good money. Because if you look at, you know, most people would just probably throw a few coins in without looking because they didn't want to look at him because they were embarrassed. But Paul looked at him and said to this man, look at me. So the man was probably excited, but then Paul turned around and, and probably with the excitement was this crushing word that says, sorry, mate, I don't have any money to give you. He thought, well, why am I looking at you then? But then Paul came out with that brilliant phrase, silver and gold, I don't have. But what I have, I will give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And with that, he took the man by his hand and he raised him up. And in Jesus' name, he walked. Isn't that incredible? Wow. That is the God that we worship. That is the God that we celebrate. That is the God that we hold on to. We see that salvation comes through the name of Jesus. We're baptized. You know, those people that are baptized are baptized in the name of Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are justified through the name of Jesus. Colossians 3.17 says everything that we do and say should be done in the name of Jesus. So what does it mean to do stuff in the name of Jesus? It's easy to say it. Does that mean that when we pray, we just have to remember to tag on that last line, in Jesus' name, amen? And if we forget it, does it mean that our, our prayers aren't going to be answered? No, of course not. But to do it in Jesus' name means to do it in the authority that he has given us and according to his will. Now, Eldad Church has a bank account, I assume. I mean, it may be that all your tithes and offerings actually go into Howard and Emma's bed, you know, in, in their mattress. 
and the mattress is getting higher and higher because I know you're a generous giving church. You have a bank account. Now, if I was to go to your bank tomorrow morning and I say to the lady behind the counter, I was preaching at Eldad yesterday. You can see it on online. You can watch my preaching. And, and they were really, really pleased with me. So they've told me I can come and take 500 pounds out of their bank account. Well, she would probably turn around to me and say, have you got any identification? So I said, of course I do. I'll hand in my driving license. And she'll look at it and she'll say, I'm really sorry, Mr. Alloway, but you have no authority on this account. And Howard breathes a sigh of relief. <laughs> you have no authority on this account. We only have authority that we are given. And to do, to pray, and to act in the name of Jesus is to do it in the authority that we are given in accordance to his will. Now, there are people in this church that can go down to the bank and say, I'd like to withdraw 500 pounds, please, because they're authorized to do it. But they can only do it if it's in accordance with the will of the church leadership. You know, if Howard suddenly goes down to the bank tomorrow and says, I'm going to withdraw 10,000 pounds because I really fancy taking the family off for a nice sunny holiday over Christmas because I don't like the cold and the wet, and we're going to go to the Bahamas or Bermuda or some other nice place starting with B. We're going to go there for Christmas, so I'm going to take 10,000 pounds. Well, there would be some questions asked, wouldn't there? And it may well be the last Christmas that Howard would be in this church. He can only do what he has the authority to do. Now, I know many of us on the island do work in finance. I do. And different people have different levels of authority. See, we have authorized signatory lists. So when an instruction comes through that says, please pay this amount of money to this account, we look at who signed the authority. And is that signed in accordance with the mandate? When we go and we preach and we pray and we declare things in Jesus' name, we need to do it because we have the authority and the authorization of Jesus. That means that we're in, in, in agreement with his will. Or more importantly, his will is in agreement with what we're doing. How do we get that authority? How do we get that, that authorization? Firstly, by giving our hearts to him as a Christian. When you confess your sins and you turn your life over to God, you become a child of God. Guess what? Your name goes on that authorized signatory list that you can claim the name of Jesus. But it's as you pray in accordance to his will. How do you do that? That comes by spending time with God, isn't it? By praying and seeking God. Now, there's, 
It's great that we pray. I love it. You know, and the prayers this morning are brilliant. And we're praying for people to be healed. And we know that that is in accordance with God's will. Because he has told us to pray for the sick. So we can pray in Jesus' name. But in Acts 19, there's a really interesting story. It says, in Acts 19, starting at verse 11, it says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, but, and the evil spirits left them. That was the anointing that Paul had. Isn't that incredible? But then it goes on. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, the Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I know about, but who are you? When the man who had, who had the evil spirit, sorry, then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them. He gave them such a beating, they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Praying and moving and acting in the name of Jesus comes through relationship with Jesus. I can't go and take money out of your bank account because I'm not authorized to do that. We are authorized to pray in the name of Jesus as we know him and love him. When we can say, in the name of Jesus, who I love and who I serve and who my life is given to, that's when... The name of Jesus is powerful and mighty. And we see our prayers answered. It's not just a magic word. When I was in junior school, we used to have this magician used to come to school, usually around Christmas time. And every time he did a trick, he had these magic words. One, two, half past two. Bang, it would happen. You know, the card would fly out or the rabbit would come out of the hat, whatever it was he was doing. And for some people, that is almost how they treat the name of Jesus. But it's not. There is power in the name of Jesus. Awesome power. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord. That is powerful. That is mighty. Every one of us will bow our knees before God and declare the name of Jesus. 
We can do it willingly, in awe and worship, or we can do it because we have no choice. Me? I want to do it in worship and awe and declare it because that is what I believe. I want to declare that at the name of Jesus, as I bow my knee, Lord, I do it to worship you, to honor you, to praise you. And I give you all the glory. As we pray, we do it in Jesus' name. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whatever word or deed, do it in the name of Jesus. That means that whatever we're doing, we're doing it, we're seeking to do it in accordance to his will. That means that when we go out of here this afternoon and we go home, we are living our lives at home in accordance with the will of God who loves us and saves us. That means tomorrow when we go into work, sorry to bring that up for some of you, you know, work tomorrow. I was just enjoying this, you know, being in God's presence. Well, when you go into work tomorrow or whatever you do tomorrow, do it in accordance with the will of God in Jesus' name. That's where we see God move in our lives and in those around us. And finally, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, some verses that we know really well. If you've ever spent any time with evangelists or in missions, as I have, this is a verse that you get taught very quickly. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus said. All authority. And he has delegated his authority to us as his children to move and to act and to work according to his will in Jesus' name. Amen.